Good morning. It's so good to see you guys this morning. Hey, um, well, I don't know if this is your first time here or if this is your millionth time here, but uh, no matter what, I wanted to just kind of even the playing field a little bit um, and, and just whether or not this is your first or your millionth time here, we're going to share some firsts and some lasts together, no matter what. Um, some firsts. This is my first time here with you guys like this, which is kind of exciting. I mean, like, I'm always here. Like, uh, like she said, I am the youth director here, so I'm literally, like, always here. Like, I never leave. Um, I can't get enough of this place. I love it so much. But um, I, this is my first time here with you like this, sharing a sermon. So I'm really excited, and I'm honored to be here like this with you guys. But this is the first I would get to share together. Um, so that is a first. Speaking of firsts, um, that was Allison Forney's first children's sermon that she got to share. Didn't she do an amazing job? Yeah, she did so great. Uh, and then, uh, like I said, we also are going to share some lasts. This is our last uh, sermon of Maple Valley Church, you know, for 2018, right? <laughs> I, mean, I can see that. That's confusing, right? Because, like, next week we still have church and everything. It's just 2019. Um, but... You know, and so 2019 is next week, and so new year, new series. Um, and so we're going to start our new series on Genesis, which is going to be really exciting. So speaking of last, this is our last week of the series that we've been going through for uh, Jesus on Every Page. And so we are wrapping up the series that we've been going through. And so just a quick refresh if you need it. Um, this Jesus on Every Page series that we have been going through has been talking about um, passages in the Bible that you wouldn't necessarily at first glance see Jesus um, kind of jump out at you. So passages that uh, you would uh, need to kind of pause and think about to see God really, and you'd need to like ask God to really like reveal himself to you to see how Jesus is really um, in that passage. And so when you take that time to let God reveal himself to you, you can clearly see that Jesus is in and on and is every part of the Bible. Because Jesus has always been a part of God's big story, right? Like it's always been God's plan for Jesus to come to earth, to live a perfect life, to die a perfect death, for Jesus to raise, to raise again and to ascend it back into heaven and to give us his Holy Spirit. That's always been God's perfect plan. And so it's been an amazing series for us to go through this whole thing, which is why we've had this Hebrew, uh, trans, or like the Hebrew uh, language of Isaiah 9 up here and the Hebrew Bible in Greek Hebrew book of the Bible in Greek, and we've, why we've had this Jesus scroll up here has been talking all about how um, the Bible connects back to Jesus being in and on every single part of the Bible. It's been an amazing series, and I'm honestly kind of sad to see it end, but I'm so excited to share this passage with you and to wrap up this um, series with this passage, and honestly, I didn't choose this passage. Um, Pastor Pete did. This is always the plan to wrap up this passage and the series with this passage. Um, but if Pete told me, like, you know, the Bible is the limit, you can choose whatever passage you want, Lindsay, like, I don't know that I'd ever choose this passage. <laughs> like, this is kind of the passage that I feel like I would read to, like, prepare myself 
to like read the passage that you would share the sermon on, you know? Like it's just kind of not the passage that I would read and instantly see how God um, connects it back to my life. But isn't that exactly what this series has always been about? This series is about passages that are so beautiful, like this one and like the ones that we've been talking about before, where you can see as you allow God, and which happened when I wrote the sermon, you know, when I allowed God to reveal himself um, through this passage, when you see that and you see God just reveal himself in such a beautiful and amazing way that you see his holiness and his character in such a great way that you cannot help but worship him once you see it. That's what I love about this passage, and that's what I'm excited to share with you about this today. So let's paint the picture for this passage. We read this passage and we see five characters, right? We see Simeon and we see Anna, who are already at the temple, right? And then we see Mary and Joseph and 40-day-old baby Jesus, who, I don't know if you know this or not, but Mary and Joseph have had kind of a whirlwind of a year. <laughs> like, Mary has just learned that she's going to immaculately conceive the savior of the world, right? And then Joseph is learning about what he could get himself into and choosing to stick around, right? And then going to Bethlehem, yeah, Bethlehem as a pregnant family, only to learn that there's just a barn for them to become first-time parents in, becoming first-time parents in the most unexpected of places for the most unexpected of reasons, for the savior of the world to be born, for the king of all kings, for the Messiah. Fast forward about a month and a half, and they're traveling to Jerusalem as any devout Jewish family would at this phase in this child's life to present their baby Messiah to God. I mean, think about that for a second. Like baby baptisms and dedications, they are beautiful. And God honors them and he loves them and he's so excited by them when they happen. But this, I mean, this is different. To be a fly on the wall in those temple courts in that day, can you imagine? And yet, Let's also kind of imagine the night or the morning that Mary and Joseph just had. Like, for some perspective, Rob and Jess, right? Like, Rob is our new worship director to be. He's coming to us soon. Praise the Lord. And I'm so excited. Thank you for all the worship directors that have come in and helped us out in that, this interim time. Um, but so Rob is coming soon, and they have just had a baby similar like phase of life that Jesus is in when we're in this passage. And he is coming, they're coming from Texas to Washington via a plane and car. And they're taking their whole life from Texas all the way up to Washington. And for those of you who have had to travel with that similar aged child from Texas or from that like type of travel, like, you're groaning with sympathy because you know what they're about to embark on, right? 
So Mary and Joseph are traveling to Jerusalem with a newborn baby and probably carrying two pigeons. I mean, I don't know. They might purchase the pigeons at the temple, but I like to imagine them carrying the pigeons on the way. (laughs) And they are um, walking by foot, obviously, because they're walking, (laughs) to the temple courts, which is probably like using modern roads like the car way, an hour and a half walk to Jerusalem without a newborn, briskly. Like, are you sweating? Because I haven't even had a kid, and I feel like I'm sweating right now. (laughs) Like, that sounds exhausting. And so they are making this walk in this journey. And even to put more perspective into this, verse 24, it points out that the laws in Leviticus 12 says that um, the original offering that they should be giving that day is a lamb and a dove. But Leviticus 12.7 instructs that they should give two turtle doves or two pigeons in a case that they can't afford to a lamb and a dove, which is just a simple detail, but an important one, that Jesus came from riches to rags for one reason and one reason alone, to give us the ultimate sacrifice. Man, what an amazing God we have. And as for Mary and Joseph, the text says nothing about the emotions that they were facing that day. But I feel like as humans, we can imagine maybe some of them, right? Like overwhelmed, for starters, Like, humbled would be another one that I feel like we can all imagine. Humbled that God would choose these seemingly poor and unimportant people to raise and have such an important task. To raise the Son of God. Exhausted would be another one I feel like we could all agree on. Right? Like, it would not surprise me, and I would not blame them one bit if they were at least just the smallest bit of tempted to just get to the temple, do what they had to do, and get out. Because that's a long walk there, but let's not forget about the walk home that they also had to think about. It's not like they had somewhere to stay in Jerusalem. They had maybe a lighter, but like the same walk home that they had to think about too. That's a long and big day for a brand new family. And meanwhile, this is all going on in this new family's head, and they're walking up to the temple. While all this is going on, it just so happens that there's a guy that's been praying for the Messiah to come for his whole entire life. A guy who, verse 26, says that the Holy Spirit revealed to him that he would not die before his very eyes had laid on the Messiah himself. A guy who the Holy Spirit told him and prompted him to go to the temple that very day. And that guy's name is Simeon the prophet. And when Simeon sees Jesus, he runs up to him and he takes Jesus from Mary and he says to the and he says this in verse 29. He says sovereign Lord As you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, 
which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And what I would first imagine fear on the face of Mary turns to marvel because some stranger just picked up her Messiah baby. I mean, like, your kids are amazing and cute, and you freak out when someone, like, some stranger guy just picks up your kid, as you should, right? But this is the savior of the world we're talking about. So some kid just, like, some guy just, like, runs up and steals her baby, and he says, and her face turns from fear to marvel because of the things that he's saying over her son. And these are things that she's heard before, right? Like, the angels have said this before, and other people have said this before, but what he says is crazy, because he speaks over salvation, but he speaks over salvations to not just his people first, but the Gentiles first. Not his people. Talk about marvel. Talk about unity. He's saying that this is something that's way beyond anything that is just for them. This is something that's for everyone, for all people. What an amazing and marvelous thing to say. And Simeon, he sees Mary's face, and he looks right at her, and he says, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Here's your baby. Have a nice day. (laughs) But think about the things that he just said about her very son. He said, salvation and unity is to come through your own son, Mary. And yeah, it's going to surprise you, the people that run away from your son. And yeah, it's going to hurt. Yeah, it's not going to be fun all the time. But something that I feel like we can miss in this passage, and honestly, my very favorite part of this whole passage, is I think he's saying to Mary, Mary, your very son is going to be your own salvation. Can you imagine what that must have felt to hear those words? Your very son is going to save your own soul too. How encouraging that must have felt. And as he's saying these things, Anna comes by. Anna, who is a widow that probably lived in the temple when she became a widow, she decided to just give her life to God. And she decided to just pray and fast. And she probably decided that anyone that came by as often as she could, she was just going to greet those people that came by the temple. And so she was probably walking up to Mary and Joseph just to say hi and just to welcome them. But what she heard was her prayers get answered that she has also been praying for the Messiah to come that very day and in that very moment as well. And so she instantly just started praising God just as Simeon started doing too. Nonetheless, undoubtedly also encouraging Mary and Joseph all the more. And Mary and Joseph went into the temple and they presented Jesus to God 
and they were uplifted, and they were encouraged. But did Anna stop there? No. What I love about Anna, what I love about this part of the story, is that everyone else that came by, Anna encouraged as well. Anyone else that came by Anna, she said, and she had told them that God had come to rescue Jerusalem just like he had always promised he would do. She could have said, wow, that was a great day. Oh my gosh, like I probably encouraged those people. God answered my prayers. Done. No. Anyone else that came by, she gave them encouragement too. What probably felt like the most normal day for Simeon and for Anna, and probably felt like the most overwhelming season for uh, Mary and for Joseph, just turned into the most encouraging atmosphere. Man, don't you wish it were that easy? Don't you wish it were that easy that you could be like, man, I really want to encourage someone today. And like you're in the church and like a young family comes in or like a young person comes in and it's just you and like one other person and you're like, God prompts you and you're like, okay. And then like you read a verse or several verses and it just so happens to be like a diary of like months of their life that you read and they walk in and you're like, I know exactly what to say to you. Like, God just made this so easy for me because, like, no one else is there, right? It just seems so easy, and you just encourage them, and they walk away, and they're like, wow, you're amazing, and you're like, I know. (laughs) Because that's kind of how it seemed like it was. Like, the Messiah seemed pretty easy to spot from Simeon and Anna's perspective, right? Like, Like, if you flip a page before, it's like talking about Jesus being born, and then you flip a couple pages after that, it's like, just Simeon and Anna and Mary and Joseph and Jesus. It's like, okay, you guys had it pretty easy there, right? But what I love about this story, and this is the part where God shows up in such an unexpected way, and his holiness and his character shows up in a way that I cannot help but worship him, is the fact that there were probably actually quite a few people at the temple that day. And honestly, those people were probably not carrying pigeons. They were probably carrying lambs. So who's to say that Simeon and Anna would know to go up to the people carrying pigeons, wearing rags, with sweat on their brow and concern on their faces to look for the Messiah? You guys, they would only know to do that if they were remaining obedient to the Spirit and what the Spirit had prompted them to do. When they were remaining obedient to the Spirit and what the Spirit had prompted them to do, they were able to see their prayers that they had been praying for years become answered in a way that they surely would have missed if they were seeking for those answers without God. Not only that, But when they were remaining obedient to what the Spirit had prompted them to do, they became encouragers to new teen parents that were probably incredibly overwhelmed and needed a reminder about, yes, the overwhelming, but amazing, incredible, life-changing, cannot-help-but-worship-him kind of gift that they had in their very arms. So here's my challenge for you guys, for all of us. As we go into this new year, and as we 
head into this, um, this new year as we start this uh, fresh slate. If you're in the life phase of Simeon or Anna, you are never too old to encourage the next generation. In fact, I would argue that it is an integral part of our intergenerational church. I think as people that are the younger side of this church, we get stuck without it. And I would even go as far to say that it doesn't take that much to encourage the next generation. We didn't even, it didn't, Anna and Simeon didn't even need to know Mary and Joseph that deeply. All it took for Simeon and Anna was to show up and to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And if I had a dollar for every time someone told me that they were too old to encourage the next generation or to do something for the next generation, can I just say, Simeon wasn't, Anna wasn't. You're never too old to encourage the next generation. So who is God calling you to encourage? Who is the spirit prompting you to encourage? It could be a family member. It could be someone at this church. It could be someone right here. It doesn't take much and it doesn't take long. Who is God calling you to encourage? And if you're in the life phase of Mary or Joseph, man, it can be so easy to let this life phase run us. Life can get so crazy and so overwhelming and so chaotic that sometimes we can forget to enjoy the season and to enjoy the very thing that's in our arms, literally or figuratively. I mean, I don't have kids. Some people might say I have a hundred, but I don't have actual kids to raise. It's about the thing that God has entrusted you with, whether it's the season of family or the season of careers or the season of schooling, whatever this season is for you, enjoy the season that God has entrusted you with. And honestly, maybe you're in the season and you're like, whatever the season is, I hate it. <laughs> Guys, that's okay. And guess what? You're not alone. It's okay to not be enjoying the season that you're in. But can I challenge you with something? Who are you going to let interrupt your season to encourage you? Who's your Anna? Who's your Simeon? Who are you going to allow to speak into your life to give you some encouragement in the season, whether you like the season or not? Let's take some time and let's ponder that challenge. You don't have to take it, but I encourage you to. And let's, let's pray as we continue to worship. And the band comes up, I'll pray. God, thank you so much for being a God that, um, that came down to live life with us. God, thank you for being a God um, that didn't just choose to walk away, 
but that went through every single thing that you could to have a relationship with us. Babies are cute. Yeah. But there's something about imagining baby Jesus. It's marvelous. As we sing these next songs and think about the ways that you could have come down with the way that you chose to come down. God, may we have grateful hearts and hearts of encouragement as we ponder this challenge. We pray this in your name. Amen. <coughs>